Hey, welcome everybody to Spotlight by Livermore Live Music. Uh, we are your hosts today. I'm Rob Allen. I'm Kevin Snyder. We're here with our special guest, Nick Selchow. We'll get back to Nick in just a minute, but first, something really important. So it's up in heaven. St. Peter comes out on Monday morning. He's got his clipboard and he's going to check the new people into heaven. And there's three people waiting in line to come in. So St. Peter signals to the first person and the guy walks up. St. Peter says, welcome to heaven. Everything's fine. We've got all your information here. I just need to check a couple things to make sure we get you settled into heaven in the right place. So uh, I need you to confirm for me, uh, how much money did you make in the last calendar year? And what was your job? The guy says, well, I made $180,000 last year and I was a doctor. St. Peter says, that sounds just great. Absolutely. Head on to the pearly gates, turn left, go down about a block. You find where all the doctors are. He signals the next person comes up as a woman. And uh, he says, again, I need to just confirm how much money did you make last calendar year? What was your job? She said, well, I made $240,000 last year. Um, I was a lawyer. St. Peter says, that's right. That's perfect. Uh, Head on in, turn right, find all the lawyers. Third guy walks up. St. Peter says, so I need to know uh, how much money did you make last year? Guy says, $6,000. St. Peter says, what instrument did you play? Okay, thank you. (laughs) So we are coming to you from the uh, incredible studio of Livermore's Livermore's own advanced creative company. Uh, We're going to do a radio show every episode. We're going to have a special guest that's part of Livermore's incredible live music scene. So over the months, we're going to have live music performers. We're going to have band members. We're going to talk to people who uh, run the venues here in Livermore and other special guests. A little bit about Livermore Live Music. Uh, We're a relatively new organization that supports and encourages live music throughout the Livermore area. Um, We have one of our main activities is to run a website called LivermoreLiveMusic.com. Clever, no? Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, And if you ever want to know who's playing, where, when, get on Livermore Live Music. If you haven't checked it out, definitely go give it a look. It's kind of a long URL, but check it out. LivermoreLiveMusic.com. A lot of information there. If you like live music and you want to know who's playing where, that's the place to go. We do depend a lot on word of mouth to uh, spread the word about live music in Livermore and about the website. So if you like what you see, definitely let your friends know about it, post about it, and share. Another new activity of Livermore Live Music is this podcast, this radio show that we're going to do on a regular basis that's called Spotlight. Um, As I mentioned, we're going to bring in a special guest every time and talk uh, talk to the people who, who make live music in Livermore and make it special. Um, our special guest today is Nick Selchow. Now, before we get started talking to Nick, uh, we happen to know that he's been known over the years to take just a, a small sip or two of some of Scotland's finest products, and we happen to have some of that with us today. So, Nick, I've got a I've got a bottle of Glenfiddich 18 here, and Kevin's got a bottle of Johnny Blue Walker. I, I'm sorry, Johnny Walker Blue Label. Blue Walker. Huh? Blue Walker. Yeah. That was in that was in the the HBO series, right? The Blue Walkers yeah, or something. Yeah, it was something like that. Uh, Luke's, Luke's brother, <laughs> right? <laughs> Luke's brother, <laughs> right? The, the lesser known Skywalker, right? Uh, so are you going to pour that? Or I, or am I just going to Josh about? about it? Yes, I'm, no, I'm going to pour it. So I'm going to do a just a little sip of this Glenfiddich here, Kevin. Oh, I'll start with the Glenfiddich too. And looks like I already got that. Yeah, it looks like Nick's looking for the blue label. Hey, while we're doing this, we got Doug and John in the back room. Um, I'm just going to make a command decision and pour them each a little shot of Glenfiddich oh, here. Good call. Good call. So if somebody sees a hand come across the table, that's what they're about. Just a second, please. And I think we're there. More of the Glenfiddich. Better producing through alcohol. Yeah. So, Nick, I got just a short clip of you here. 
Let me play this for us, for the audience. I saw you flash a smile that seemed to me to say you wanted so much more than casual conversation. I swear I caught a look before you turned away. Now I don't see the point resisting your temptation. So, of course, Nick, that was you playing Paul McCartney's If You Come On To Me. That was at a live gig just a couple of weeks ago. Kind of give people a, a little chance to hear what you sound like musically. But let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about your background. So uh, just starting off, the obvious question, Nick, is where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Illinois, northern Illinois, and outside of Chicago. And how long, how old were you when you, when you moved from there to, well, how old were you when you came to California? Which time? Well, <laughs> the first time. So, yeah. First time. Yeah, I was one. And so I, you probably weren't playing music then. No. I was, well, you you might have been. I was here till I was eight, went back to Illinois, and then uh, got an electric guitar when I was in grade school. Took about three lessons and quit. Didn't pick it up again until high school, which I really didn't play either. Finally got an acoustic guitar in college, and that's where I learned how to play guitar. Got it. And uh, as you were really starting to get into music, you know, getting to where you were learning how to play songs and maybe playing for people and stuff, how old were you at that point? I never played out until I started work at uh, Livermore Lab. Ah, which was 1980, early 80s. So I got into playing in a band by meeting a guy named Tony Bartolini, who was uh, Bill Bartolini's son. And everybody knows, probably in Livermore, everybody knows Bill as the uh, quintessential pickup maker, right? Right, right, Bartolini pickups. Right, so Tony could play uh, guitar and drums, and I could play guitar. We had another guitar player, and no one wanted to play bass, so I said I would do it, and no one had a bass. So we went to Bill, and he had an old bass, a Degas uh, jazz bass copy, that he put his pickups in, and he put a resonating bridge on, and he says, here, you can have this, and... That's how I started. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So who were some of your musical influences at the time? Who were you trying to learn how to play bass like or, or learn songs from? I would say I spent a lot of time learning Paul McCartney's bass lines. Mm -hmm. I liked the fact that he was a melody player. Um, and that's what I went after mostly. Got it. Initially. Now, I happen to know that, uh, I'm not sure how long it was between that time when you were learning how to, to play the bass and when you joined your first band, did that happen right away? It did. Uh, it was a band that never played out, but we did practice. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> but that was about it. Um, That's always, I mean, it's an yeah. important experience. Develop a set list and learn how to play with other musicians and so forth. Um, if I know that I, kind of where I'm trying to get to is I know that you, you eventually became part of a band called The Q. Were there other bands in between that? There were bands before that that never went out and played. Uh-huh. Right. Um, but yeah, the Q was the first one that we played in and that, that became quite the cover band that had, uh, keyboards, guitar, 
two guitars, bass, drums, uh, two saxophones, and a female lead singer that played harmonica. Right. Uh, it's probably worth mentioning at this point. I mean, I, I clearly know a little bit about this. Um, who, who was the drummer in the queue? Drummer in the queue was uh, Ray Merrill, another well-established name in the Livermore area. Right. Uh, so played with him for a number of years right, there in right. that band. So just to anticipate this, we'll get Ray in here some other time, but uh, Ray now is the drummer with uh, Bacchus Brothers, and he also is... Uh, Steel and Dan Steel and, and Dan, other right. other bands that he does a lot of uh, recording work for a lot of different people. Right, he also plays with the Peppermint, so he's you know just right. incredibly he's diverse. He's a busy guy. Yeah, and a hell of a drummer. Uh, but back to, back to you. Uh, and the reason I kind of wanted to get at the cue was because uh, you were in on the live music scene in Livermore very early on. I mean, that was in 1981 or 82. It was the first time I saw you play with the Q at a place called the Red Baron. It's not here in Livermore anymore, but it used to be out where Beebs is now. And so you were playing live music at a bar in Livermore in, what was that, 1982? Yeah, the, the early 80s, uh, and Red Baron was the place to go. Uh, it was the highest paying in fact, I'm not sure the wages have gone up since then. They're about the same. <laughs> um, so it was interesting, that particular band in the early 80s, there was a lot of electronica music. So a lot of bass lines were using keyboards. And a four-string bass just wasn't cutting it for me, which is what I had. I had the jazz Degas, right? And so I tried to went on a search looking for a five-string. I called up Carvin, and they laughed at me, so we don't make anything like that. Really? Yeah, they didn't. And so I went back to Bill Barlini, and, and he was making pickups for Tobias Company at that time. Uh-huh. And he contacted Mike Tobias, and I got my Tobias five-string from him at a incredible discount. Which you still play. And I still play that That's bass to nice this bass. day. Very wow. Nice so then now I could play the electronic music and hit most of the low notes that were needed. Uh, that's super cool. I did not know that. Uh, any particular band experiences from either just playing with the Q or playing with the Red Baron in particular that uh, that spring to mind as either the oddest or the most fun or the weirdest things that ever happened to you in a band? Well, yeah, there's there's a couple. Uh, really, at the Green Lantern in uh, Hayward, um, that was an unusual place because you could go into the restroom and there was a bunch of bleep bleep on the counters. Uh-huh, yes. People doing stuff anyway. There was people dancing on the floor. I remember this one woman cut her hand and was spraying blood all over the band and everybody else. Uh, so that was an interesting time. Other than that, most of the gigs were pretty straightforward, especially the Red Baron. Uh-huh. What I really liked about it was you could play two nights in a row and leave your equipment there. So oh, you didn't have to pack yeah. in and out. Yeah. And it kind of brings me back around to the history of live music here in Livermore. Uh, the point I wanted to make was there there wasn't a lot of it back then. There was some. Uh, I think the Q playing at the Red Baron was kind of, at least as far as my recollection of those days, because I was here at the time also, was kind of the pinnacle of live music. I don't know about Kevin's experience. Yeah, there were, there were other bands and other venues, um, but definitely the Red Baron was the place to go. It was. And, and Kevin is speaking over there, by the way. He ran sound for so, us quite often. I yeah. didn't know if you knew I'll, that. <laughs> a lot of the uh, experiences that Nick was talking about at the Green Lantern, I experienced as well. So right. I can I can vouch for that truth of blood and bleep, bleep, bleep. 
All those good so, things, yeah. All the good things. Yeah. So there was there was some live music in Livermore back in those days, but it was it was a little bit hit or miss. Uh, again, to me, the one reliable thing was the Q. I think mean, they had other bands at the Red Baron, but it was going out to the Red Baron on the weekends to see live music. There were other cowboy bars and the VE club that would have live music sometimes, but you never knew if they were going to have it and who, what the band was going to be or what the quality of the music was going to be. So that was, that was a while back. Um, I have to interrupt at this point because we're a certain amount into the broadcast and say, so Siri kept calling me Shirley. And it was, it was making me really mad. And I said, Siri, stop calling me Shirley. But then I remembered I'd left my phone in airplane mode. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I kind of think that's what Rob was going for with that. <laughs> I do. I get that a lot. I don't get it. <laughs> I'm sure that there's two or three people out there. who. So send me an email, info at livermorelivemusic.com, and let me know if you got that joke or not. I mean, I'm going to keep telling those I jokes. Didn't. Okay. Okay. But if you send an email, Rob will explain it to you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. So after, uh, after the queue, uh, what else w- went on with you uh, in terms of music uh, in your life and in Livermore? Yeah. So I don't know. Some of that's pretty foggy. Um, I played in several original bands, uh, nothing that amounted to much. And then I signed up. An interesting thing is I signed up with Germhead, which became a pretty good uh, cover and originals band and played for quite a few years. I got into that band because the two main players there, um, they had a drummer who was, was not very good, but he broke his arm and they had me come do a gig on drums. So I did that. And then when uh, I played with them for a while doing that until their drummer got better and their drummer came back and they asked me to play bass for them, which I did for a while for like about, couple weeks and then I said I couldn't play with that drummer anymore because he couldn't keep time or couldn't groove or anything. So interestingly enough, that is when I got Joe Lee to come into that band whom Joe Lee currently plays with all three of us now. Right. So uh, Germhead had Joe and I and the other two guys in it and we did that for a number of years. Kind of a heavy, heavy-ish rockish band. Now right. it, it also had Mark Petock, right? Yes. From your Q days. That's yeah. true that yeah. he came from the Q. That's, yeah. that's right. Mm-hmm. And I would just observe that this is so typical of the music industry in general um, is how incestuous all these bands are, right? They, we form, we move around, we, you know, meet up with people that dissolves for a few years. We get back together. And this is just a fairly common phenomenon among, among bands. I just find it fascinating the history behind how people got to know each other, how they learned the music that they did and so forth. So at some point, <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot to mention these guys. Well, I was going to say, so at some point <laughs> you met up with a, a couple of young musicians who had been playing guitar together for, a, I think a year or so named Rob Allen and Kevin Snyder. Oh, and, those guys. Oh, those guys. Yeah. That's true. I, I had forgotten that. Yeah. <laughs> you had blocked that part of your life out. <laughs> well, you know, originally it was, and I think for most of the duration of that band, it was a garage band, right? We hardly played out at all, except at, at parties that we would throw to get our friends to come and listen to us. I think we played out uh, a few times. Never. No, no, we played. Didn't we it, do a wedding. We or played something? it. We played it. Um, what's her? We, what was her? Her wedding. Yes, the, the one where she Arlene. cracked her head on the floor. That, that well, one. not it was the, somebody not, else. Not, but yeah. It wasn't oh, the bride, but that thing know. about her cracking her head on the floor. I remember that to this day. I mean, we were up there playing, and it was a good gig, and there was lots of people dancing. It was a wedding reception, 
And that one young woman had had a lot to drink. Oh, and it was a, it was in the barn. It was at the barn, yeah. Here in Livermore. Mm-hmm. So concrete floor. And she was spinning around and spinning around and having a good old time. But all of a sudden, I looked away and I heard this thump like a pumpkin hitting the ground. And it was her. That was her head. I thought surely she was going to be hurt bad. But she popped right up, started dancing again. In- impressive. Yeah, it was. Yeah. If you're out there, by the way, send me yeah. an email. <laughs> info at Livermore Live Music. Tell us how you're doing. <laughs> so we played for a long time in Roswell's Emporium. Right. And yeah. I, I think I eventually left that group because we didn't gig. Yeah. That's how yeah, I that's how it. I remember it. Right. And it's unfortunate, too, because we were not as, you know, we were not that bad. Yeah, we, we could have, but we didn't. And, yeah. You know, that's just the way that it goes. That's water under the bridge. And right at some there. point after that, you actually ended up leaving California again. That's, that's true. Now, had you, I don't know. Did you, were you, did you go back to Germhead? Were you playing with other bands after Roswell's Emporium before you headed to the East Coast? I mean, I remember those things happening in fairly quick order. Yeah, no, well, yeah. So Germhead was after Roswell's Emporium. Yeah. Ah, okay. And it was then after that that you ended up going back to the East Coast. And yeah. you were there for a while. A couple of years only. Right. And did you, did you play in a band or play music at all back then? No music out there. Right. So, so then came back and got together with you guys at, at a party that you guys threw somewhere. Right. And we started playing together again. And then we got into K&R doing kind of acoustic easy listening stuff. Right. And K&R, by the way, was Kevin, Nick, and Rob, because that's how clever we were at naming bands. We needed a name. <laughs> yes. We've never got away from that. Nobody ever does, right? That is such a phenomenon with bands is why can X number of adult people not settle on a name? And you can take a, literally a year to figure it out. Eventually you have a gig, you have to call yourself something. So you, somebody comes up with it and there you are. And then everybody hates it. You know, for years after that, I don't know. So, with K and R, is there any particular gig that really stood out to you that that you had, you know, just a marvelous time or just a really bad time or anything like that? Not that I can recall. No, you don't remember any. Well, you, me you either. I was hoping yeah. you'd have no, one. <laughs> I, so, so the the big thing about K and R is is it was something to do. And it was kind of fun, and I and I like pl- the guys I play with, right? But then we got good old Joe to come in to K and R. He started kind of playing. We he had a plus J on there and K and R J, and so finally Joe's really with us full time, and that's why we have our new name, Kinetic N R J. Right. And I'm enjoying the band a lot. Right. Well, it was you know uh, this is supposed to be about you, but I'll make it about me. So K&R was, I mean, I'd been playing music a long time. I used to play in college. I played keyboards and, and guitar. And, you know, I would sit and entertain people in the dorm rooms or whatever. But I never really played out, played in a band that gigged out until K&R. And then we didn't play out a lot. But we, I mean, we played at um, Blacksmith Square a couple times back around 2005 or 2006. We played at um, the Eagles Club, which was, you know, more of a private party. But it was public. People. We we played Ruby Hill that that was a great connection for all three of us yes playing Ruby Hill with uh Debbie right Debbie right? Cristiano got us yeah so gigs. that has been an ongoing thing for us right to this day right um and so Kinetic NRJ has been playing as wow. a group yeah there's a picture um for a number of years but that kind of brings us you know up to the present a little bit um I got another clip I want to show here 
of us playing. This is live video from a couple weeks ago. The video and audio are not great, but this is one of my favorite songs to do live. I would also point out that uh, that's the Bartolini bass, or the uh, that's Tobias, Tobias. Yes, the Tobias with the Bartolini pickups, and yep. and that was me playing it, and I love playing that. <laughs> that's yeah. a great bass. Just wanted to point that out. And also uh, worth pointing out, um, it, it's radio, so people couldn't see it, but we could. That was Joe Lee on drums there, just rocking out and having a good time. He's always so energetic. I mean, he's on uh, pedal to the metal all the time. Yes, right. this is true. He, he, you know, he brings the band down. He's he's so downer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that guy has got nothing but energy. So the exact opposite of that, right? Yeah. Well, that, there's a reason why the name Kinetic NRJ, you know, came out, and part of it was because of the energy that Joe brings to the group. I mean, it was a transition. We were originally kind of a winery bar, you know, playing. Neil Young and acoustic music. And when Joe would sit in, he would say, come on, you guys play something that was written, you know, since Paul McCartney was in the Beatles and sort of <laughs> forces to, to move forward a little bit. But yeah, he's definitely the, the live wire behind kinetic NRJ. So Nick, t- tell us a little bit, talk about how you see the live music scene in Livermore today. I mean, other than you uh, playing in a group here and being part of the live mu- music scene, you get to go out and you get to see some of the groups that are out here. You've played at two day town with us on a number of occasions. Um, you know, talk just a little bit about the, the, the change that you've seen since the days of the queue at the red Baron and what the live music scene in Livermore looks like today. So I, I think from the eighties, it was a pretty flat curve for a long time. And then, uh, Livermore became a wine destination and there was a step function to bands playing here and more and more wineries came out and then uh, Livermore live music came about, which made a huge difference for me personally and for a lot of people because they can see where all these bands are playing. They know where to go to go see them. I th- it's, it has changed in the last two years to be an incredible music scene here. Right, right. Um, and, I, and the whole family of all the all, all these people are are getting to know each other. I mean, and a lot of us all go out and play at this uh, two-day town, for example, that uh, Rob was going to mention, is another place where a lot of these bands go play and everybody gets to know each other. People play with 
other people. It, it, it it's just a great it's, musical it's a big environment. Jam, it is. It's, yeah. it's, it's great. <laughs> it's a big jam, but it's a great way to to trade influences with each other and you know kind of create a. I don't want to call it a Livermore sound, but I think that I actually think there is a Livermore sound on average across all of the fantastic bands that play here. You know, there's some commonality in kind of the way we approach music. It's, it, I mean, this is definitely not Seattle and it's not Austin, you know, it's Livermore and it's uh, to me, it's just incredibly special. A couple of pictures here. And now, oh, yeah, just as a quick <laughs> change of pace. It's time to do the bad joke pass around. So everybody gets a turn. I'll start. So my, my bad joke is, uh, so a girlfriend asked me once if I like drinking beer and talking loud with my friends. And I said, sure I do. And she said, good, I'm breaking up with you. Kevin, what do you got? Do I get to read one from the... You can read one from the list or you can just come <laughs> up with one on your own. That's the game. Um, where does Spider-Man grill his burgers? That's a good question. I give up on his Weber. <laughs> I see what you did there. That's I like that. Yeah. Okay, Nick. Come on. Tell us one joke. Well, I don't do jokes. So I know gonna, you don't. So I'm going to read one. There you go. <laughs> I tripped and hit my head on a drum set. Now I have a percussion. There you oh, go. You told it well. Good job. Good job. I like that. All right. I'll tell one more and then we'll move on. So uh, two jazz musicians are talking to each other. And the first one says, um, hey, I heard you just released your first CD. How much did you sell? And the second one said, uh, my house and my car. That's almost any musician. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It doesn't have to be jazz musicians. I mean, there's a certain amount of truth, like all jokes, right? There's a grain of truth behind it, which is we don't make much money at this. I mean, a few musicians do, right? The ones that are incredibly popular and make it. But for every one of them, there's a million people who do it because they love doing it, right? And- and the joke at, at first about I made $6,000, oh, what instrument did you play? If I ever made $6,000 in a year playing music, that would be fantastic. That would almost compensate me for, for how much equipment I buy, you buy. <laughs> in, a, in a given year, right? So, so uh, you know, most of the people that are doing this, uh, the live bands around Livermore, are doing it because they love it, because they get a, a thrill out of it, because the people that come and see them are energized by what they do and they enjoy it. And, uh, I, you know, that's an important part of the live music scene. So, um, I'm looking at the livermorelivemusic.com website and I see Nick that you are playing with kinetic NRJ in at gray a couple of times in October. And that's, uh, coming up. Uh, what, what else do you have on your docket? What are you hoping for in 2020 in terms of live music? Well, like both of you, I recently retired, and what I look for in 2020 is I'm improving my bass playing for the first time in 20 yeah, years. Yeah, I noticed. And I really <laughs> like it, so I'm taking, I'm taking lessons and stuff, and I'm learning techniques that I didn't know before, and uh, I'm quite happy. I'm a very happy camper. Right. Yeah, me too. Um, and same thing, I, I was able, when I, when I retired, maybe you haven't noticed as much as we have with the bass playing, but I mean, I'm trying to improve my keyboards, improve my guitar, improve my vocals. At least I have a little bit of time to put into it. I, it never ends up being as much as you hoped, but at least it's, you know, it's more than just treading water, which is what I, you kind of had to do while you were working and raising a family. Totally and, agree. And yeah. paying the mortgage and so forth. Yeah. yeah. So I have a question for you. It's, it's kind of back to what we talked about before uh, the Livermore live music scene, but you do not live in Livermore. True. You, you live in in a different city. 
Um, do you see a music scene there at all? I mean, is there is there anything even starting to come together like like here in Livermore? Well, uh, not much going on. There are some street fairs and things that they do. There in, in I'm in Castro Valley. There's street fairs and things. Mm-hmm. But however, um, Livermore Live Music could branch out. There's multiple wineries in the Castro Valley area and some in really nice locations that some do have music already. Right. I think we should start getting some of the Livermore bands moving that way. It's not far to go and just expand the influence. Right. Uh, so, Kevin, a- excellent point. I'm, so, glad, I'm glad you brought that up because um, in all respect to other cities, it's not like Livermore has the only live music anywhere. Everywhere has got live music, great bands. Um, so all respect to them. I do think there's a couple things that are unique about the Livermore environment, probably unique in the United States. That doesn't mean the best, but it means I don't know that anybody else has quite the mix that we do. So we are wine country and increasingly brewery and distillery country, right? I mean, these things are popping up and it's a thing. It's a national phenomenon. People want to come out. They want to listen to live music. They want to go out for an afternoon or an evening, have a, have a sip of wine or a, a beer or something and listen to live music. In Livermore, that's possible because we have all these fantastic venues that want to do yes, that and want to support that. Um, of course, there's other wine countries in California, all over the, all over the world. But um, I think Livermore's attraction is the variety of bands that we have. Again, like I said earlier, from single guitar player in a coffee shop all the way up through, you know, nationally known bands that are playing at some of our, our larger venues. Um, so I, again, I just think Livermore's got a lot going for it. I encourage people to go listen to live music wherever you are. We've talked a little bit, I forget whether how much you've been on the discussion. We've talked a little bit about how could we, how could we generalize what we're doing with Livermore live music and make it sort of a local live music app where wherever you are, it knows where you are and it calls up the live music database for that city, wherever you are, and tells you what bands are playing and what venues and so forth. We're not, the, we're not there yet, but I think the demand for it uh, is out there. It's hard because you have to keep the data up to date and somebody who knows the bands and knows the venues has to do that to make it right. But, but I'm hoping that over time there's a way to do it because uh, Livermore certainly needs it, but I think there's a lot of places around the country that could use it, around the world maybe. I think that's a great idea. So that's one of the future goals. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so uh, Nick, I'll give you one more chance. Uh, anything else that you want to comment on, but both about your history, about music, about Livermore live music, or just, you know, wh- how, how this environment was coming in and talking to us today. Well, I really like this environment. I'm, uh, I'm ready to come here and drink some of his beer. He's got some good in the back, uh, refrigerator. Yeah, I just, we can't, we can't thank advanced creative enough. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, John and Doug, yep. uh, for, for putting this together. Yeah. Applause for that. Uh, fantastic facility here. Uh, and helping us do this. Just wonderful. So with that, I think we're done. We're going to bring you another episode in the near future. Again, we Living More Live Music is nonprofit, non-ads. It's all word of mouth. We're just people who are enthusiastic about live music in general, live music in Livermore in particular. So if you like the podcast, tell people about it. If you like live music in Livermore, tell people about it. Go out and see live bands whenever you get a chance. We really appreciate you listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.